Stand up, Nuggets Nation. It's now time for the Mile High Hoops Podcast with Zach By, Presented by Superbook Sports. On your home for the most Nuggets content. Denver's Sports Station. 104.3 The Fan. What is up and welcome to another edition of the Mile High Hoops Podcast. As always, I am your host, Zach By, And as always, I appreciate you spending a sliver of your busy day with me here on the pod. Reacting to an absolute gut punch of a game three. Nuggets lose at home to the Golden State Warriors in a game that they absolutely could have won. Final score, 118-113. Lot to unpack here. Pardon me if you hear um, real frustration uh, in my voice at certain points of of this podcast. Um, I never had the uh, visions of grandeur that the Nuggets were going to um, upset the Warriors. Uh, If you've been listening to this podcast, I thought they could win uh, a game or two, um, but nothing more beyond that. But that does not mean um, and will not distract me from evaluating what is in front of me and the opportunity lost for Denver. And make no mistake, there was a massive opportunity lost. I know on paper the series price coming in uh, to Game 3 was minus 2,000, making just the Nuggets an absolute absurd long shot. All right? Just an absurd long shot. But we never know how these playoff series are going to shake out. We just don't know. If they have won Game 3, maybe momentum switches. Maybe something happens in game four that you couldn't have anticipated. Something like, I don't know, Chris Middleton getting hurt for the uh, world champion Milwaukee Bucks. How does that change their long-term outlook? outlook? Uh, Or, you know, something like Devin Booker hurting his hamstring. And just like that, um, and just like that, uh, the, the Suns could be in trouble long term. Maybe not, you know, here in this first round. Um, but you know, and, and they'll, they'll probably beat the Pelicans. But who knows what next round looks like? We just you, we're just never sure. Shoot, we've seen it happen with the Warriors in the middle of a series due to injury. Their um, you know a championship hopes derailed. Uh, we've seen it with Chris Paul in the past on championship contenders. Like oh, Hammy, series changed and. Because the Nuggets didn't take care of business, you just don't leave yourself uh, any opening for anything crazy to happen. And, you know, um, I will remember, I will remember game three, and really, um, maybe in time, and I can't be sure how I'll remember it, you know, in five years, but maybe in time, um, I will remember the back stretch. Lack of execution in Game 3, encapsulated by the offensive rebound with about two and a half minutes left when Andrew Riggins came from deep in the left corner, so deep that he was not in the frame. Okay, I took out my phone, I took a picture of the TV. Not only is there not a Golden State Warrior in the paint, there's not a Golden State Warrior inside the three-point line. There are nuggets everywhere. Wiggins came between Will Barton, I think it was Monte Morris, who was up, you know, kind of around the elbow area, left elbow. He splits them, gets an extra possession in a one point game with two and a half minutes left in a do or die game three. 
And, and it was a microcosm of the whole damn series because the Warriors had been doing that now for three consecutive games. Second chance opportunities have brutalized Denver. All right? And there it was rearing its ugly head when everything was on the line. And the lack of execution even beyond that because they corral the rebound, Wiggins does, and they get an extra possession in which Jordan Poole just finishes a fantastic uh, layup. And now, now it's a three-point game, but the subsequent possessions that followed that, whether you're talking about a Monte Morris, and this is, again, just to reemphasize the importance here, it is a one-possession game in a desperation spot in game three with under two minutes left. A Monte Morris air ball that results in a shot clock violation. You had a, a Will Barton 28-foot shot that was just, they didn't run a play, they didn't do anything. They didn't run anything. Just heaved it up at the hoop. The, 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 like, the plan is not, hey, heave it up at the hoop, let's get an offensive rebound. No, like, you, you're trying to execute. It's a big spot, one possession. 28-footer from Will Barton, air ball from Monte Morris, shot clock violation. Aaron Gordon absolutely just bulldozing Steph Curry over for an offensive foul. And then ultimately, Jokic plucked uh, in the final possession where there's still hope, but he's plucked uh, from behind as Draymond's left arm comes across the front of Jokic's body. Just plucked him. Just plucked him. It was as bad of a finish to a Nuggets game that mattered uh, that I could remember. And, and that's why I was frustrated after the game with Michael Malone's comments on his you know, synopsis and evaluation of the game. We'll get to that in just a second, but it was just piss poor. And the way that they ended the second quarter wasn't too much different. Like, and, and that's been the case here Like in this series. The Nuggets will play well. They're giving the Warriors body blows. And then in a very short period of time, the Warriors will take it all back. And, and Game 3 uh, was no exception. Game 3 was no exception. I mean, this is a this is a one possession game at the end of the first quarter, all right. And if you you go back and look at it, you know in that um, in that second, this is this is an even game. This is a Nuggets team that was in control, right? Uh, Demarcus Cousins had a great stretch in the second quarter. I think he had nine uh, uh, points in his first stint. I mean, he's spinning off Bielitsa and Duncan and. You know, finishing and you know it was awesome. It it was it was awesome. Um, the Nuggets were in control, but again, once again, you look at um, you look at things to finish the half. It, it reminded me of Game Two, which reminded me of Game One, but this one more resembled Game One, where it was about you know three minutes or so. Um, it was about three minutes or so. Uh, left where, well, what was it, three minutes? I'd have to really go back and look at my my notes that I don't have in front of me. But it was just foot on the gas. You go from, you know, being in an even game to, you know, down double figures at the break. And Jokic was playing well. Like, Jokic had 18-8 and eight at the break. But the difference was the Warriors just kept on making shots. At 12 three-pointers in the first half, the Warriors did. 12. They finished with 18 for the game, but three quarters of those were in the first half. And it was just, 
you know, that's how you're starting your second period, but then, or second, second half, but then the, the Nuggets actually hold the Golden State Warriors that look like the 2016 version of themselves. They hold them to 18 points in the third. And in the fourth quarter, they were just too much. And the Nuggets, while um, attempting to beat the Warriors, uh, had problems with not beating themselves. You know, and that, that last two and a half minutes was just so discouraging. The turnover from Jokic on the uh, attempted uh, AG lob, you had him, uh, you know, getting plucked from behind. Like, if any, if, if even one of those things doesn't happen, the Nuggets could, you know, maybe win. But it, they, 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 they unraveled. They unraveled in a different way than game two. Game two was like more of an emotional unraveling. This was just an unraveling uh, in between the lines from an execution standpoint. Just really, really ugly. And now you're in a spot where you're down 0-3, where the 143 previous times in NBA history when a team is down 0-3, they have a combined uh, series wins of, of zero. So it is bleak. It is bleak. And I, I mentioned, I want to get back to Mike Malone. I, I was frustrated with Malone uh, after the game. And I have, I have, um, I I think been very fair with um, with Michael Malone. Um, I've gave benefit of the doubt. I've used the phrase repeatedly. He's not a perfect coach, but he's been the perfect coach for this team. And next year is going to be a huge year for Michael Malone. Uh, I think a prove it year. But the way that he handled the post game press conference is almost like he had his chest out, and he talked about just how proud of his guys he was. Like. So proud of these guys for fighting and competing. And, and to which I say, again, I never believed that the Nuggets were going to beat the Warriors, but you, you're reacting to a game that you just could have had, and you, as the coach of the team, watch your group just be the D-minus version of themselves when everything was on the line, and, and you're trying to avoid a sweep, and I just don't understand how he could watch the backstretch of that game. And then the first thing he says into a microphone response number one of just how proud of the grit and the toughness and the level of competition and, you know, that was lacking in Golden State. Like, when I hear a coach talk like that, you are hearing um, him, first and foremost, admit that the Nuggets have no shot in the series. Like, if you're reacting like that in Game 3, your first home game, and and, and really th- them closing the door um, on the Nuggets' chances to win because the Nuggets do not have a chance to win this series, okay? If you want to uh, someone to blow, like, sunshine, um, you, I'm sure you can find it. I know you can find it. Um, but they have no chance, but they, they, but they would have. You leave yourself open for just something to happen, whether you duplicate your performance, whether they have a tough night struggling, an injury, you just don't know. But now we know. Like, it doesn't matter. Like, the Nuggets are done. And for him, for Michael Malone to react to um, the game and, and the context that I just laid out and what Game 3 meant, it, it was just frustrating for me, uh, really. Uh, it, it, I just was not impressed with the way he went about that. Like, we're, we're, we're rewarding the team and congratulating the team for playing hard in a game where their season is on the line and they're playing in front of their home fans for the first time and you're down 0-2. That's like thanking a washing machine uh, for working hard. Like, no, it's literally the function of its job. You're a professional athlete. Everything's on the line. I expect you to play hard. You don't get, I'm not going to praise you for that. So I was, just, I was just disappointed with 
the 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 way the second quarter ended, the way the fourth quarter ended, and then the post game just has left a, a bad taste in my mouth. Um, so okay, here we are. Uh, can the Nuggets avoid a sweep? Um, there's a couple different schools of thought to look at uh, here. And it's a little bit complicated, to be totally honest with you, because I actually think there's a rational school of thought that says, let's get this damn season over with. Let's get this jaded, star-crossed season over with. This season has had a cloud over it since game number nine. Since game nine. And it's had even a darker cloud after just the back and forth of the rumors and reporting and this and that. Jamal Murray, Michael Porter Jr. Up, oh, he's he's ahead of schedule. Up, oh, did he have a setback? Up, oh, he's not warming up in front of the home crowd anymore. Up, oh, he's going to go to Grand Rapids. Up, oh, so is MPJ. Up, oh, MPJ's not going to go to Grand Rapids. Up, oh, but MPJ is commenting on Instagram that he's going to go to Grand Rapids. And oh no, now Michael Porter Jr. has jumped over Jamal Murray in his comeback. And oh, Jamal is you know he could come back for Game Three. It's like. Dude, it's it's just been, um, it's just been a lot. It's just been a lot, and um, it's unfortunate because the season itself did have really awesome stuff happen. Jokic is going to be the thirteenth player in NBA history to win back to back titles, but he's also going to be the sixth MVP ever swept in the or a uh, sixth MVP ever bounced in the first round. All right, and. The, the, the other uh, MVPs who have been bounced in the first round, Wes Unseld, was swept, uh, much to the um, it, a blind spot that it was for a stat muse, has, which has become a very popular Twitter handle, put it out there last night, that Jokic is about to be the first MVP in NBA history, swept 4-0 in the first round. And the thing is getting like thousands of retweets. And people are picking it up and running with it like, you know, this is your MVP and this is why MVP should. But first of all, Stat Muse, you're wrong. And I called him out uh, on Twitter in a reply and a quote tweet. Wes Unseld, in a four-game uh, series, was swept by the New York Knicks. And maybe I'm being a little bit defensive, quoting something from the 60s, but I don't feel like I'm carrying water for Jokic or defending Jokic by just pointing out, like, the thing you put out is not true. It's just factually inaccurate. Um so Wes Unseld was one of those MVPs that was swept in the late 60s uh, when he was with the Baltimore Bullets in four games. Moses Malone uh, didn't make it out of the first round uh, twice as an MVP uh, back in the late 70s and early 80s. And he was, in fact, swept in one of those series. Russell Westbrook was swept as uh, or uh, was knocked out of the first round, excuse me, as an MVP. Uh, Dirk Nowitzki was knocked out of the first round as an MVP as a one seed. Uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar was knocked out of the first round of the playoffs as an MVP. So, um, Jokic, it, it, it's it, it's ending so poorly, and, and I get we all get the context. Like it's been talked about at nauseum. I'm not going to reset all the you know adversity and you know. All the context that we know all too well, um, but it, it to, to act like it's not a bad look and to leave a bad taste in our mouths here after you did win forty eight games and surpass your Vegas expectation um, and overcome what you overcome. You did win an MVP um, uh, and you're going to win it back to back. You did win the most games in uh, franchise history on the road. So like those things happen, but it's ending in such a way. That um, not that it's like n- not 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 that it takes away. It just makes the the view of this season complicated. Like if the Nuggets lost in six, it's just like boom, perfect. Like 
As long as we're in good health, this is what was supposed to happen. The Warriors were nearly a 3-1 to favorite before Game 1. But the way that it's ending, and then you add on the narrative standpoint. And in the last week or two, we've talked about the Dirk Nowitzki thing. I just referenced him. But back in 2006 and 2007, when Dirk Nowitzki was putting up all the numbers in the world, and he wins MVP, and then the number one seed, and they lose, I think it was in six, to, to Golden State Warriors, go figure, um, the We Believe Warriors, remember it uh, like it was yesterday, um, the, the backlash to Dirk was so intense uh, because of that number one seed uh, and what he went through and what he had to hear, what Mavericks fans had to he- had to hear because of it. I've talked about it here on the podcast and on the radio. We are in the fast lane to that, and it already started. It already the series isn't over, and you're already hearing from Nick Wright. You're already hearing from uh, Skip Bayless. You're going to hear from Chris Broussard. You're going to hear from Spike Epstein uh, out, of, out of Philly. You're going to hear from all these people who just love to pile on the Nuggets. And I, I'm just letting you know the tone is going to be so toxic that Jokic could average 35, 15, and 11 next year, and he's not going to get people's MVP votes. So if you don't care about that type of stuff, perfect. You're, you're going to be better off. But if you have a tendency to like defend Jokic's honor and you know you, like, like Nuggets Nation wanted Jokic to get all this credit and get this attention, well, he got it. He's a back-to-back MVP. Now just prepare yourself for the avalanche that's coming um, from the, the, the other angle from the blind side that we probably maybe couldn't have seen even just a week ago, it's going to get bad. It's going to get bad. I'm just here to tell you. Um, Which is fine. Look, the Nuggets are going to have to get past this anyway. Like, they're going to have to get healthy. They're going to have to be whole. And they're going to have to win playoff series and be back in the Western Conference Finals, if not the Finals, to sort of have the Listerine to wash out some of the bad taste um, in people's mouths when it comes to this stuff. Um, but it is coming, so just j- just prepare for it. Um, you know what's so unfortunate too, and I got to mention this um, is that like Aaron Gordon, the way that he played in the second half, it was so encouraging and inspiring, given the struggles that he has had this series, and and that goes for Jokic too. Like Jokic being six for twenty five when Draymond's the primary defender in the first two games, like that that worm started to turn. Jokic put up thirty seven and eighteen, so. That started to turn, but for Aaron Gordon, it was such a struggle, and there's so much pressure on uh, AG to be the second option, and he's been so lackluster in the first two games, and then he started that way, too. Now, I know he had the big alley-oop, which was sick, um, to start the game. Uh, incredible angle. Can't believe he went up and got that. But after that point, the rest of his first half was pretty forgettable, and if you remember, he had that sequence, I think it was in the second quarter, where... He has three potential offensive putbacks that he's just right under the rim, and he's literally just trying to, with touch, get it into the hoop. And for three consecutive up and downs, he can't simply put the basketball in the hoop. And I'm like, oh my God, if that ever serves as the ultimate microcosm of Aaron Gordon's series, it's it right there in that one possession. But he actually overcame that. He actually was overcoming that in the second half. You know, he... uh, uh, was I think he had a stretch where he made six uh, consecutive shots. He finished with 18 points. He was the plus and the plus minus. He he grabbed 12 rebounds. I mean, it was it was the uh, the best version of himself in that second half stretch. And and because of that, he gave the Nuggets you know a real shot. But like a lot of the stuff that the Nuggets needed to happen um, actually happened for them. 
You know, uh, and, and Barton struggled again, and he was, you know, Sunday might be the last game Will Barton ever plays in the Nuggets uniform. We'll, we'll, we'll see what the future holds with that, and we'll talk about that when it's, um, when it's more appropriate and the series is over. But, um, you know, like, you got your starters, four of the five were in double figures. The bench played a, a positive role in the second period. Boogie Cousins uh, played well. You had, um, you know, uh, uh, Bones Highland made a three. Austin Rivers was two for two from three. Bryn Forbes uh, made a three. He got to the line on a three-point shot for for another one. Like, a lot of the stuff that the Nuggets needed to happen actually happened, which makes the way that the game ended, um, it's like a drive. It's like a sustaining drive in football, and you're in the red zone, and it's it was a pick six. I mean, that's how it felt. That's how it felt. So... Oh man, it's um, you know, it it just kind of is what it is. You know, I got sidetracked um a couple minutes ago, but there's a school of thought that like, man, it it might be just be best. It'd be terrible from a narrative standpoint because I actually think gentleman sweep would actually just break up um the onslaught of the Jokic and Nuggets hate. But from a just practical standpoint and a utilitarian standpoint moving forward, and I'm just asking the question. Not rooting for it, but like, would it just be best for the Nuggets to just get get swept, keep everyone healthy, not extend the series, and just go into the offseason and just close the chapter on the 2021-22 Nuggets? Um, I, I think it's a reasonable thought. I think it's. A, I would love for the Nuggets to win a game. I would love for the Nuggets to win a game. Um, I have my real doubts on it, though. I do. I wonder if these guys are just after they throw that. You know, terrific punch in game three, and it lands, and it's still not good enough. I wonder if these guys are just ready to turn the page and and go home, you know, to their home, to to each of their homes, go on vacation, be with their family again, not have to, you know, talk to reporters multiple times a week, and if they're just done. And guys, I've been on teams like that, by the way. And, and, and the tingling sensation you get when you can't wait for a season to be over and you see it crystallizing in the second half of a basketball game uh, and you're just ready. And whether it was like I was in college, we had a year like that, and it was just a bad year, man. We were like 11 and 17. We knew we weren't going to the NCAA tournament unless you won the conference tournament. And we're there in the conference tournaments like second round, and you're on the brunt end of a 14 to 2 run in the second half. And all you're thinking about is the, you know, um, summer dresses that all the friggin' girls are wearing on campus and can't wait to now do happy hour and not have to worry about, you know, practice and getting, you know, kind of getting your life back when it's like that. I've also been on teams when we're in the second round of the NCAA tournament, uh, my first year in college, and you're like, this is a special group. I know it is. I don't want it to be over. And I, and I was a redshirt. I wasn't even playing. So I've been on both sides of it. If I had to choose or no, forget me for a second. You ask yourself rhetorically, what side of those two aisles do you think this group is on after the way that Game 3 ended, on the heels of Game 1 and Game 2? And given the historical context of 0 for 143 of teams in this position, the way that the Nuggets are. So I, unfortunately, I want them to win a game. Do I have faith that they'll be there? It would honestly, at this point, in my mind, it would take just a letdown from the Warriors. Like the, the human elements from the Warriors creep in that we know... The teams in our position are 143 and 0. We we got to go back to the Bay anyway. Might as well bring them with us and beat them up on national TV in two 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 days from now. 
you know, maybe, maybe that's the maybe that's the Warriors mindset. But unless it's not, if it's something other than that, I, I don't I don't see the Nuggets um, uh, winning a game. And I hope I'm dead wrong, but um, we're fixing to find out. All right, uh, I'm going to leave it there for now. I hope you guys have a great weekend. Thank you for making this podcast a part of your day. The best thing you could do to help me um, is, you know, tell a friend, share it, subscribe. All that stuff goes a really, really long way uh, for me behind the scenes, and I just appreciate you being here. We'll see what happens on Sunday in the middle of the afternoon on ABC. And, you know, regardless of whatever happens in Game 4, on Monday we'll be talking about it right here on the Mile High Hoops podcast.